here. Today is, is kind of a sentimental day for a lot of our families uh, because a lot of graduation activities are taking place. Even tonight, we are um, honoring our seniors, our graduates. And, uh, and, and you know, it's, it's, that, that's a milestone moment. It's a sentimental moment for, for many of our families. It's, uh, for us, it's a sentimental moment, though we're a year away from having our second child uh, walk through graduation. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's a, a, a moment that causes many families to take stock and to think through, did we, did we raise our kids right? And I'm thankful for our, for our student ministry here because uh, God has blessed, blessed us with incredible leaders and, and adult workers. Uh, many of you invest in the lives of our students and and are, are challenging our kids to, to walk with the Lord and to, and to have a faith that is real, that is personal. And, um, and uh, you know, in our family, um, I've been mindful of the, of the emails I get from a lot of our college students. Because every semester I get a, I'll get an email from one of our students who has a professor at college that will say things like, you know, they're challenging my faith. They're saying to me that, that it's not reasonable to believe in God. That, that, you know, it's not rational to believe in, in God. And, and, you know, with our family, one of the things we've done uh, with our children, and we did this recently, we, we sat down with them and said, hey, let's just think about it. Let's, let's, why, why do we believe this? Well, why do we trust Christ? And, and we, um, we begin just talking about how God has moved us in our lives how God has spoken to us, and how, how we've gone to our knees many times and asked the Lord for, for wisdom, and God gave it to us. There were times God lifted our head when we were down. And we just began to trace the story of our family and the story of our lives and the moments that we've gotten out of our comfort zone. And, and I'm grateful for a student ministry that we have uh, because we go on mission trips and, and we challenge our students with my one to pray for their friends. And, and many of our kids have, have taken these steps of faith. And, and they've gone out into these moments where they've had to trust the Lord. That they've prayed for their friends, and they've watched the Lord uh, move in the hearts of their friends. And, and you know, as we sat with our kids and, and traced the story of God moving in our lives, uh, uh, we wanted to prepare them for this moment that a professor or some intellectual is going to get in front of them and say, it's not rationally feasible for you to believe in God. But, but for us, as we look at, as we trace the hand of God in our lives, we can look back and say, you know what? It's not rationally feasible for us not to believe in God. You know, what we have had, our experience is not this ritual uh, of religion. No, no, we've experienced a relationship with Christ. You know, religion is, di- is distant and and. and and, and going through the motions and just uh, keeping some religious rules, that's not our experience. We've come to know the Lord. We've come to, to, to experience God move in our lives. And I would encourage you, 
As you, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, would you sit down with your kids and your grandkids and would you talk about how God has spoken to you, how God has moved you? Because these are valuable moments. They're, they're treasures for our children as they learn the, their own story of faith in Christ. And, I, and I, you know, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer uh, to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And, and, I, and as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we don't have to check our brains at the door to believe in Christ. That, that we have a reason for our faith. That we have a reason for our, our strong belief in Jesus and our trust in Christ. And, and, you know, I'm grateful for a church that is, that is taking steps of faith, t- taking steps into the unknown, and, and, and avoiding this risk-free Christianity. You know, I believe that risk-free Christianity is a downfall in America. That many Christians are, are they want to be they want to put a bubble around our families and our churches. But but let me tell you something: as we follow Christ, um, you will if you follow Him, if you listen to His voice, risks taking risk will be a normal part of life. You will be constantly moved to take steps into the unknown. And this morning, as we continue through the book of Philippians, this is such an incredible passage of Scripture, and and. I'm so excited that we're going to turn our face to, to it, and, and I'm so grateful that God gave it to us as, as we understand Paul's journey in this letter to the Philippian church. And, and what I love about this letter to the, the church at Philippi, God preserved it because he knew that churches at every age would need this, and we are one of those. We are a church that needs to hear God's voice, and and I'm so grateful for how God has preserved his word and given it to us uh, in a divine way that we can understand it and look to it. But I want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know him? And not just know about him, do you know him? Have you heard him speak to you? Has Has he lifted your head when you're like, God, I don't know what to do, and he's given you wisdom? Have you, have, have you experienced God strengthen you when you were weak? Have you experienced God forgive you when you've messed up? I mean, I mean do you know him today? Um, this morning I pray that God speaks to us about the amazing blessing of knowing God of knowing him in a way that is real and personal, not in a, a distant way, but a up close and personal way. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 today. Would you stand with me as we look at God's word today? Paul writes, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory, and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. 
If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now as we, as we continue to walk through this incredible book, um, I, the, the, Paul makes some amazing statements here. If you look and stay with me in this passage, in, in verse, verses 7 and 8, there's a word that, that, he, that he uses, that word to count. He counts all things as a loss. It's a, it's a bookkeeping term. Now, we have some CPAs or a lot of business people in our church, and you understand the, the accounting. Um, and, 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 and Paul depicts life like a ledger here. It's interesting in this passage, he's, he's basically doing some bookkeeping in his life. And, he, and he's helping us understand what really matters. The, the most important things. And, and, and really, um, it's interesting because uh, what, what really matters and what really doesn't matter when it comes to the promise of heaven the promise of eternal life. He, and, and, and he came to realize there were some things that he was counting on to get him to heaven. But, but he came to understand that that doesn't work. I mean, look back at verse 1. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, now we've looked at this, that, that what an amazing statement because Paul is going through in a, a very, very difficult trial here. I mean, he is in, he's imprisoned, he's uh, chained to a guard uh, 24-7, uh, and they're just rotating. He is, uh, he's, he's gone through trial after trial of anybody that could have made an excuse and said, you know, man, Lord, are you even hearing my prayers? Are you even with me? Uh, it could have been Paul. But yet he, he constantly says, I rejoice. Now, why did he rejoice in such a difficult time? Because he knew the gospel is being, is, is being, is progressing. God is using this. And I want you to understand no matter what trials we go through, God uses those trials. God, God has the ability to take every struggle we have and use them to further the gospel, to strengthen our lives. Because as I look at my, myself, my Robin and I as parents, as we've raised our kids, it wasn't always the times that we were super successful that God used to bring, to, to build faith in our lives and our family. 
It was those times of trial. It was those times of difficulty, of us working it out and discovering that God can be trusted. And I want you to know, regardless of the circumstance, God can be trusted. And that's what Paul is saying here. I rejoice uh, in the Lord to write these same, same things to you. He says, it's no trouble for me and is safe for you. And I can imagine them getting this word. What do you mean no trouble for you, Paul? Are you serious? And it's safe for us? I mean, we're, we're potentially going to be arrested. And, and, and you know, um, I'll tell you what, being in the middle of God's will, uh, sometimes we look at this through earthly eyes. But Paul was looking at his life through heavenly eyes and realizing, look, as, as we prepare one day to stand before God, the safest thing we can do is walk with Jesus and know the Lord. And, and let's, be, let's be people that, that don't always look at things this way, but we look at things this way. God, I'm going to look at your perspective. I'm going to look through your eyes. This is the value of the Word of God. This is how the Word of God and the Spirit of God is changing our mind and changing our lives. In verse 2, he says, look out for the dogs. Look out for those evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So what's he talking about there? You know, there was a group of people that that are attacking the the Christians at Philippi, and, and they're and they're, and they're trying to communicate that if you want to really honor God, you've got to keep all of the law, specifically the Old Testament law, the law of circumcision, because that was a mark of, of look, you're, you're obedient. And Paul was saying, no, wait a minute, you don't have to do these outward things anymore. It's not about what you do on the outside. Our hearts have been circumcised. Our sin has been taken away. Now, when he says, watch out for those dogs, in that day, dogs weren't like our dogs today. I mean, dogs ran wild. They didn't like dogs back then. I mean, now dogs, man, they got it easy. I saw a lady, a dog the other day with painted toenails and, a, and, a, and like a gold collar and like never, I don't think the dog pooped it ever. I don't know. Um, but but uh, I was, then I'd see a car driving by that said, Poop removal service, $9.95 a month. I'm like, you're kidding me. Are you serious? Uh, dogs are different today, okay? I bet people in, the, in, in Paul's time, if they would have drove around our world, they'd have thought, you guys are a bunch of idiots. What are you doing? Dog, the, the, dogs were not liked. They would attack people. They ran wild. They, um, you know, this was a, a negative statement. He's like, watch out for those dogs because they're not right. And you got to, be careful, they're, they're dangerous. And who are those dogs? They're the religious people. They're those people that, that really believe that religion is the way to, to eternal life and that, that God is pleased with our religion. And, um, you know, we, we struggle with that, don't we? And we struggle with this idea that, that we have to be religious. And I, and, I, and I pray that you don't come here week after week and buy into this idea that, that just by walking into church, you'll get to heaven. Or by being religious or giving money to, in the offering plate or, or, or doing some religious act that, okay, that's going to somehow get you to heaven. Well, I don't want you to buy into that. And I want to be faithful to tell you that, that that's not the way to eternal life. 
you know, but, but we, we want to play that game, don't we? I, I read a story this week about a little boy who, who he goes outside, he's playing in the yard, and he catches a mouse and kills it and beats it with a stick and stepped on it and is so excited he runs in and goes, Mom, look, I, I got this mouse. I killed it. I beat it. And, and, and it was awesome. And, and the preacher's sitting in the living room, and, then, and he sees the preacher, and he goes, and then, Mom, the Lord called him home. Just called him home. You know, we, we feel like we want to go through these religious motions, don't we? That, oh, somehow we need to impress. And, um, but, but I want us to see point number one that Paul is saying here, and it's so very important for us, that religion will not get you to heaven. And I want you to know that. Religion is, is no good. Look at verse 4. He says, he, he, he's, Paul is giving his resume. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. This is a big deal. Paul's, Paul is saying, look, I, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he says. As to the law, a Pharisee, the, the Pharisees were the conservatives, were the ones that were held true to the word of God. You know, for, for me, I would like the Pharisees over the Sadducees because they believed in a literal, literal resurrection of the dead. And, and they, were, they were the ones that hold, held true to the words that Moses wrote. But they went on and they, they added a lot of things as Jesus pointed out. But Paul says, look, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. Because the, the Jews were saying, look, Jesus is, is antagonistic against us. And, and, and Jesus was changing all the rules. And, and Paul, we know about him. When he was Saul, he led the charge to persecute the church. As to righteousness under the law, he said, I'm, I'm blameless. Now, Here's what I want us to see. Paul is helping us understand that religion will not get you to heaven. And let's think about it. It bugs me when I hear people say to me, oh, you're religious. No, I'm not. We're not religious here. What is religion? Religion, here's a good definition of religion. Religion is man's pursuit of God. And all through, like when I was in Cambodia, you see all these different religions, which is man, man's attempt to try to achieve eternal life or get to the Lord or get to God. But what is Christianity? Christianity is not religion. Christianity is different. Christianity is, is, is the description of God's pursuit of man. See, that's what being a Christian is. It's, it's the fact that Jesus came here. Jesus entered human history. You look back at verse 4. You see that confidence in the flesh? Uh, that, that's this phrase of Paul saying, look, I've done everything right. I've lived a good life. I, I've done, I've done what, everything the law required, but it wasn't enough. I mean, I, I think back of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Paul was saying, if, if, if it took being good, if it took keeping all these rules, being religious, if that was the way to heaven, I would be the, I'd go first class. I'd be the first one in line. Verse 5 circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. And he says he was blameless. Now, 
Point number two is very important, and that's something I hope we, you get and we hear and we listen to, that, that doing good will not get you to heaven. You know, years ago, I went on a mission trip to Mexico, and, and, uh, and we're in Irapuato, Mexico, and it's a beautiful place. I love this place, and it's, it's, uh, um, the, the, there was one of the oldest churches in, in the whole country of Mexico was in Irapuato. And, um, and we're sharing the gospel with people, and, and, um, and they, were doing, they were having a mass. And uh, we were outside, and outside this big Catholic church, a big church. And, and uh, there was a guy that, that came running by me, and he runs up to the, uh, the steps and, and doesn't even go inside. And, and then as soon as he gets up there, everybody starts walking out, and he comes walking by me. I was like, hey, I started talking to him, and... And, and I started talk, talking about Jesus and about how to get to heaven. And, and he goes, no, I'm good. I'm, I'll go to heaven. I, see, I went to church today. I was like, um, like just now? Yeah, yeah, I, I went to church. I go, you didn't even go inside. You didn't even hear what, oh, it doesn't matter. I, I went, and that's good enough. And, and I began to talk to him about, well, let me tell you what the Bible says. Religion and doing good things, it doesn't get you to heaven. And I'm amazed at, at the people that maybe even will come to our church that really will think that if I do more good than bad, that I'll get to heaven. But, but we see Paul saying here, look, um, doing things that are so-called good, it doesn't produce eternal life. It's, it's this idea that right living doesn't produce faith. But faith in Christ produces right living. We know what the Bible says. Paul wrote to in Ephesians, for, for, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, Titus 3.5 says God saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. Isaiah 64.6, when we put our prized robes on of, of righteousness, we find they are but filthy rags. And, and I want us to see that how could God make it plainer than that? That, that eternal life is not achieved by our own work. Religion will not get you to heaven. And see, Paul is writing to this, this church, and he's warning them, look, there, there are dogs out there. There are people that are pushing you that, that you have to jump through these hoops in order to attain eternal life. And, and Paul's warning them, saying, they're not right. Don't listen to them. And, and he's writing to all these people that are, that are believers, that have already experienced salvation. And, and they, they, they've known what it's like to be forgiven. And, and, and they've un, they're coming to understand, like we're coming to understand, that, that no one in this room can work for your salvation. But can I tell you, we are called to work from our salvation. And that's something I pray is written on our hearts. And I want you to write it down. Write, write this down. We work from our salvation. We do not work for our salvation. And, and see, Paul is saying here in this beautiful passage that, that point number three is this, that faith that saves is personal. It's personal. Just the other day, um, 
Uh, there's a guy in our church, Leon O'Neill, and Leon, uh, man, he's just, I love him. He's such an evangelist. And uh, Leon brings a guy by that he had just led to the Lord. And he comes by my office, and we're talking to him. He's about to be baptized here in the coming weeks. And, and, um, and he comes by my office, and we were talking about this. And, and I said to him, you know, when, when you walked in the door today, I didn't, I didn't know you. You may have known about me, but, but now we know each other. That's what happened when Jesus came into your life. Now you know him. That's what eternal life is. John 17, 3, Jesus in the, in the Lord's Prayer in John 17 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent. That eternal life is knowing God. And, and that's so important for us to understand. You know, faith in Christ is personal. Look at verse 7. Paul writes, But whatever I gain, I had, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I want to ask you a question. Do you know him today? Do you know him? Don't not just know about him. Did you, do you know him? I mean, that's what Paul is saying. He's like, look, I have this um, the, the, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. This is what I pray my kids understand as they grow up in our home, that, that what has transformed our lives is not the, the work that we've done, but the fact that we get to know God. And we get to walk with him and interact with him. And he speaks to us and he leads us and he helps us. And this is why today I want to say, ask you this question. Are you, are, are you willing to admit that you need Jesus as your Savior today? I mean, have you been saved today? I mean, um, in, in a couple of weeks, um, Alan, Alan's going to be baptized. And, and, and I'm so excited about this because he's saved You've been in church a long time, been in this church a long time. But he, he came to know God several weeks ago. Is that you? Is that what, what God is saying to you today? Do you know him? Are you willing to admit your need of a Savior? Are you ready to repent of your sins and believe in Christ? This is what Paul is saying. Look, don't, don't keep these laws. Look, we know Christ we know him. And see, Paul came to know Christ, and it changed everything. It changed everything for him. And, and I, I pray that that's something that happens today. For us to know Christ and to walk with him and to, and to not just know about him, not just keep these religious um, actions, but, Lord, to know him personally. Now, I, I've I prayed this week, Lord, how can I stand up in front of our, our church and, and, and really do this passage justice of, of, of this surpassing joy, this surpassing knowledge of uh, experience of knowing Christ? And, and, and I'm going to steal from another pastor. And I was going to have him do it because he does it a lot better, but I just want to. So I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to read it to you. Because it's so cool, and you can Google it. You ought to Google, this is my king, on YouTube. 
this pastor is uh, S.M. Lockridge, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. And, and um, he, this is what he says. And it, he says, the Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him today? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally stable. Steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him today? He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's the God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder, do you know him today? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He forgives the sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. Well, my king is the king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring to wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? See, his goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. And his love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient and his reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't live with live. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yes, that's my king. Isn't that awesome? You know what? It's been a long time since while I'm preaching I started sweating, but I love it today. Do you know him? That's what Paul's saying. Do you know him? Do you know our king? You know what? I want my children to understand that, that we know him. And when some professor gets up and says, it doesn't make sense to believe in Jesus, I'm like, oh, but you don't know him. Oh, don't you know him? Don't you know how he's, how he's, how he's helped us, how he's strengthened us, how he's changed us? How he forgave us, how he guided us, how he forgave us, how he went to the cross for us. How do you know him? Paul says he was found in him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of his own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then he says that I may know him 
and the power of his resurrection. Do you know that that one day we're going to walk through that door called death? And we're going to see the power of the resurrection. I, I got to talk to Lois just a few days ago. On, on, on Friday, uh, Keith went to see her. Keith flew to Arizona to see her because, Callie, we, we're, we love Lois. And she's about to go, go see Jesus. And, you know, I got to say to her, Lois, I, 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 I'm, I'm praying for you that God reminds you of the promises that you have taught to people. The, 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 the work that you have, have engaged in for the kingdom is true. And, and you're about to experience the power of the resurrection. See, sometimes we look at death and we see, seems, it seems so powerless. But, but you know what? As a Christian, when we face that door of death, that's the power of the resurrection that we will get to experience. And see, Paul is writing, and, and the people in Philippi, they think he's going to die. And he is. He's, he's on his way to be killed for his faith. But he's like, man, I, I want, I, I'm going to experience the power of the resurrection. Doesn't that change our fear of death and dying and struggle? Folks, do you know him today? We're going to have an invitation. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, Chris, I, I don't know him. That's why we're here. That's why this church exists, so that people can come to know our Savior. Would you stand where you are? Would you allow God to move you? Our staff's going to be down front, and if you want to talk to somebody, um, would you come? Maybe you came with somebody. Say, would you go with me? Or maybe you just need to come and pray because maybe God's just spoken to you today in some way. Maybe you need to come pray for your kids. Maybe you need to pray for wisdom. God, help us share our faith story with our children. Would you allow God to move you?